Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Rusty, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another very exciting, I guess it's almost winter. <laughs> we're, we're just about there, week here in the beautiful state of Wisconsin. And very lucky to have Robert Craig, our Executive Director, with us. Robert, good to have you. Well, I'd say good to be back, but I haven't missed a podcast. So uh, I've not been gone for the audience, but uh, it, does, it does feel like winter to me. I just spent 10 days in Phoenix area and in the Superstition Mountains, where it is in the 70s. It was, in fact, even in the 80s last week. Well, that sounds great. We um, we have not come close to the 80s, uh, Robert, but we were in the 50s, and we're going to be back there, I believe, today. We record on Thursday and also Friday. It's supposed to be a nice couple of days here, folks. Get out. Enjoy it. But um, also, uh, you don't come here, as we always say, for the weather. You, you do come here for the political weather, and particularly within the state. And we're going to jump right in. And Robert, uh, you've been gone for 10 days, but I know you, you've been tracking all of this. And we're going to spend time talking about two issues. One is um, the fight that's been going on at the UW system over the uh, Voss and the Republicans' effort to get rid of diversity, equity, inclusion uh, within the UW system or the universities of Wisconsin, whatever your uh, choice of uh, what you want to call them. Uh, and so, Robert, it's been a fascinating week. Uh, late last week, the regents voted very narrowly, nine to eight, to vote down the deal that was crafted by the UW system and, and Voss. Which, folks, just to be clear, if you have not been tracking this closely, essentially what Voss has done is he is he's held the the system hostage. For funding, for critical funding, right? To give basic pay increases. Everybody's been going through inflation, the notion that like we're not gonna have pay increases for employees. And then also a num uh, there's uh, there's other things, um, buildings, a whole other things that are in there that basically we're holding hostage to force the system to get rid of a program that is quite frankly the is almost solely responsible. It's critically important to diversifying the UW system and to providing structure and opportunities for, for folks of color who come to the UW system. And, you know, it's a very challenging system to come into, right? It is a predominantly white system that is not set up for a lot of folks. It's challenging period, but for a lot of folks who come uh, uh, from more challenging situations. And that's what these programs are fundamentally about, you know, helping folks make it. And so that we can have successful students throughout the system. And Robin Voss is taking this away just simply out of political, just political vendetta and just flat out racism, to be honest with this mega base, Robert, welcome back to Wisconsin. Um, and so the story continues, a lot of pressure. Voss says he's not going to negotiate, which is absurd. Um, but yesterday, the regents re-voted. Uh, even Governor Evers suggested there should not be a rush. Slow down. The idea that this is their last offer is absurd. Um, there is no immediate rush. Uh, but they re-voted and a, a number of regents flipped 
um, and now we the deal was accepted. Robert, your thoughts on this both broadly and any particular lessons about this? Well, there are a lot of complicated strands, and I, I won't give it all in one answer because that's bad podcasting. Uh, but on the political side, this is the culture war strategy. Find something you can scare people about, mischaracterize, make them think it's something evil and threatening to them and their identities, and then politicize it and go after it, regardless of what it is. Critical race theory was not taught primary, secondary school, even an undergraduate level, nor was it what they said it was. It didn't matter. They could. Manhattan Institute dude figured out that they could make this scary. So they've now made DEI scary, okay? It's rather odd because I, in in talking about the horrendous nature of this, the divide and conquer cultural politics, the do this instead of do the problems of the state, like the childcare cost crisis, like the healthcare cost crisis, like the climate crisis, uh, like the fact that we've gutted all labor standards and damaged people's uh, the ability of people to form unions and have unions and raise their wages and have a thriving middle class. Ignore all that. It's all about DEI. We do risk, though, getting into the situation where we elevate DEI. DEI is the least we should freaking do, and it's not nearly enough to create an equitable society. Okay, so I don't want to overstate these programs, but they do something. And Matt, you put your finger on it. It's really tough for white kids who are more used to this context, more used to the kind of kids they'll be around to adjust in college. It's a very vulnerable age. You've, you've left home, etc. And you add to that uh, minority status. I mean, I will focus. There are a lot of different marginalized communities that are aided by DEI. But let me just say, if you're a black and brown kid who came from Wisconsin, not from overseas, then you are likely came from a segregated school in which you did not deal with the same circumstances. And that is a matter of government and social policy. And then you were unprepared for what you face and what the kids you were like, because our society and their parents has made sure that your kids and 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 you those kids and you didn't know each other in elementary school or high school or kindergarten. OK, so this helps a lot of people. For some, it's not enough. And a lot of people don't get there because there's not nearly enough to actually, we should be better funding segregated minority schools in urban areas. We do the opposite because that's structural racism, okay? So it's gross all the way around. And then the final strand I want to point out is the hostage-taking tactics, which are connected with the culture war. They're damaging the university. The university has already been damaged, losing great faculty for decades, uh, when when this uh, this state for 150 years was near the top, now we're near the bottom in funding four-year college education. They want to go after the tech colleges. They're still very well funded now on a national basis. And so uh, what happened is these regents gave in, but part of the reason they gave in and flipped just uh, is because the UW system president negotiate this deal with Voss, which isn't as bad as the first one, but is still very damaging. And here's the lesson I'm going to land you on, Matt, to get your response to all this. And that is institutions 
cannot be relied upon conventional institutions like universities, like churches, to stand up to authoritarianism. This has been learned. My grandfather was in Nazi Germany trying to help people, but a lot of folks in fascist countries then or in authoritarian countries now know those systems go into a self-defense mode and just cut any deal they can. And we'll see a lot of institutions if Trump is reelected, Matt, who we think will stand up, who will cave. And it'll be on progressive-minded people with courage to prevent authoritarianism and it's and the creeping authoritarianism, which is what this is, and that actual onset of authoritarianism with the authoritarian leader seizing power. So yes, um, Robert, that where you close there, I'd like to pick up on because I'll even get away from authoritarianism. I'm just going to tell you what the, the this Republican Party's been up doing. And so whether the, you whether you like the tag authoritarian or not, I think it's appropriate. But here's the deal. I've talked about this before, and this is why the 2024 election is so damn important. Our democracy is set up for these kinds of processes to 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 be engaged from both sides by people who actually legitimately want to find common ground, want to find a common solution, even though they understand they're coming from different perspectives. Unfortunately, when the other side determines that they are going to use every part of those democratic processes as a point of weakness and leverage their opponent, hostage take, do whatever, right? Go break the norms of what that structure is set up for. We got real problems, and that's that's what this is. That's what, and we'll talk about it in the next segment, the absolute insanity that the House voted to go and start impeachment against Biden when they have zero evidence, right? Like, that's not what that process was for. That's not. And they know that, and they're using it power, right? They're using it just for purely crass political purposes, not to better the democracy and bring us like even to win the fight, right? Like to, Hey, let's go negotiate and understand that you're going to get some, they're going to get some, but we're going to get more. We're going to win. They're not even trying. They are literally using every lever of democracy that is set up to find negotiate and they are hammering. And unfortunately, most of our Democrats, and it's because they're the Good civil servants, they believe in democracy, end up trying to work within that structure, which means you get taken, whether it's the state budget, whether it's we get taken because they are not actually legitimately negotiating. Folks, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Be right back. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. Um, You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Robert, we were talking about DEI before the break. Um, and just before we move on, I do want to talk about the Biden impeachment, but I, I want to give you one final opportunity. And I do want to say one final thing on this. Like why this is so important is, and Robert, you you mentioned it. They're doing this politically because it does take us off the critical topics of climate change. 
economic power and why don't we have a wealth tax and all these things that we know are popular and actually really get at the real culprits behind all this activity, the powerful, the elites, uh, the wealthy, because this is actually so important. You're right that the DEI is in everything and there should be so much more. But for the kids that are there, this is like, it's, it has, it's so deeply, per, it's like abandonment. It's, there's no other way to take that, right? And I believe, and so that is what is so angering and frustrating again, that the most marginalized and again, youth, okay, yeah, they're over 18, 19, right? That this is who the targets are again, right? For, for their pound of political flesh, Robert. Any final thoughts? Well, they not only are willing to target the most vulnerable people, that's uh, part of the playbook that's preferable. Trans people, trans teenagers, for example, uh, with astronomical suicide rates. No problem. We can get Ron DeSantis ahead in Florida with that, just for example. So you got to understand these systems, the UW system or whatever they're calling, they rebranded themselves. You said the universities of Wisconsin president to be distinguished from the chancellor of the university of Wisconsin, Madison, um, be confusing to outsiders. Um, of course, Cave, because he's going to try to defend the institution and, uh, and, uh, and is afraid of further damage, right? It's got to be something else. Now, uh, in this case, because we've been critical of, Governor Evers on the budget, on the brewers, other things, uh, failing to negotiate strongly. He did not want this deal. He's been emphatic. He said it didn't need to be taken. He's sounding the way I'd love to him to sound on the state budget. So kudos to Governor Evers for getting it. You know, we've got it. We're fair here. And and Governor Evers does do when he stands up and does the right thing. He should be uh, praised for it. Um, now the question is, there's going to be a lawsuit about this being done in violation of open meetings laws, not a lawsuit. There's a request by, uh, Representative Drake for the attorney general to investigate that. We'll see this attorney general is not in, in investigating the fake electors, unlike other state attorney generals. So we shall yes. see if uh, attorney general call will stand up on his hind legs. Uh, but I'll just say that. When we think about elections, we think about primaries, uh, you think about the regions that flipped. What's going to happen as authoritarianism creeps is it's going to require a lot more courage by elected leaders in a position to stop things. And we do need to be thinking about who is principled, who has the courage to stand up, and who will cave once the UW system administrator um, has cut his deal yeah. And in, and in which it's only a few votes and all the pressure yeah. is on you to save the universities and just take this deal. And we should be thinking about that. We think about which candidates to support in hopefully fair maps, uh, key congressional races, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Robert, um, I, I referenced the Biden impeachment and I want to just get your comments. Um, folks, our listeners should know um, we are going to be joined um in the next two segments by Secretary of State Sarah Godlewski uh, to talk about what's been going on uh, with the schemes by the Republicans to try and get rid of the Election Commission, 
Um, and then also the stuff around she has called for uh, Spindel to, to be forced out. Um, Robert, I want your thoughts on the Biden impeachments because I, I referenced this earlier. It's just to me, it's I'm not I'm not shocked because I've been preparing and not expecting this stuff to change. But I hope and this should be a clarion call to anyone who thought things were changing that like. There's no it speaks to what you said. There's nobody standing up. And this is Trumpism, folks. This is happening for one reason, Robert. It seems redundant to say that they're hypocritical. But let me just say that the House Speaker said over and over again, as some have put on a loop, uh, that one party impeachments were illegitimate when Trump was impeached for very serious offenses. Um, of violations of public trust. Impeachment's not about crimes, it's about violation of the public trust, okay? It's about high crimes and misdemeanors, not supposed to be regular criminal statute. Um, it could be, but it's, it's broader than that. And so now, of course, they do it, and it's another breach in the firewall. This is creeping authoritarianism. The impeachment of Clinton was new ground in that it was for not for conduct in office. It was for you know, a, a personal, you know, a gross, middly gross personal matter, right? Um, but that is that so, but that so that was that move. And that was the special prosecutor, Kenneth Starr, who went and tried to find every possible uh, way to prosecute and couldn't, um, but went on and on and on. This is evidence free which is, of course, uh, the whole conspiracy of authoritarianism, which began with corporate America figuring out that the way to stop regulation of their pollution, of lead paint, of tobacco, and, it, and, and the, and the, uh, and the amount, amount of massive wave of deaths it was causing in the U.S. and still causing around the world, uh, climate change, was to simply put money into denying the facts. So in this case... This is what metastasized the modern uh, authoritarian movement in this country, the right-wing nationalist movement. And so now it doesn't need to be facts. It is complete innuendo and nothing like it. And I mean, I'll direct you to Hunter Biden, of all people's press conference from the Capitol yesterday was excellent because uh, he just took them apart on this. There is no connection. They have not smoking gun. There's not even a hint of a gun. There's no rumor of a gun. There's nothing. It's unbelievable. It's embarrassing. And they proceeded. This is the thing about people giving in, Matt. Every single Republican voted for this. So this idea there are moderate and non-MAGA Republicans, as Biden has been saying, and I understand the logic of that politics, but I don't know the whole part. There's no moderate that won't just do what MAGA wants. That's why this is important. And that's why I wanted to make sure we talk about it, because I know it's easy to just brush it off, but it's we cannot like we just cannot miss that. And so the the notion that there's, I don't know, uh, Toby Roth around or, or, you know, uh, that that these folks are still out there. They just they don't exist. And (laughs) this is a very different party. And the lesson here, folks. And we're going to transition is this next election is absolutely critical. And we not only have a presidential race in Wisconsin, where we're going to be one of three, five states that are going to determine the presidential election. 
Senator Tammy Baldwin is up for re-election. We've discussed she's got the good fortune of so far not necessarily drawing top level, but that's going to be a fight. We can't lose that. And then, folks, there's a lot of other things. The state legislature, and we will spend a lot of time talking about that, it's going to be a huge priority. But you cannot forget one of the biggest Donnie Brooks of a battle this year is going to be the third congressional district in western Wisconsin. Derek Van Orden is up for his sophomore run, his first run. If he is going to be beat, it's going to be next year. And voted for impeachment, of course, because they all yep. did. Voted for impeachment. And this is an opportunity where, folks, there are four Democrats running right now. They all have they're, they're, they all are strong candidates in their own ways. And we are having a forum this Sunday, 6 p.m. Virtual on Zoom. We'll have a link for you to be able to RSVP and join. All four of the Democratic candidates will be there. They're going to be asked eight questions off of our platform by members from three of our co-ops. That's right, folks. We have three co-ops, organizing co-ops in this district. It's a unique area of organization that we have. And all three of them are going to be participating, asking questions, getting response. And then folks, at the end of it, we're going to ask you to a survey and get your, get your thoughts on the forum. And most importantly, who you liked, if you liked, if you think any of them uh, should be endorsed and whether you think citizen action should get involved in the primary. Um, uh, we would like to, obviously, if we think that there is a candidate who can win, who represents our values, uh, that is something, and that is why we're doing this. And we want your help. We need you. So please join us, Robert, uh, before we uh, go to break and come back on the other side and welcome Secretary of State Sarah Godlewski in. Uh, any final thoughts on the forum? Uh, remember what I said about the regents caving. Think of it that way. We believe in engaging in primaries if we can get consensus because who the Democrat is in office matters. It's not just anyone with a D after their name. And the final thing I want to just say to you is I want you to throw out the assumption that you need a moderate in this race. Now, moderates should make the case for their candidate. That's not my point. But the point is, there is a lot of cutting edge research that major democratic folks pay attention to nationally i'm talking about consultants that are highly influential and experts that and this is research on rural voters that rural voters respond better to a progressive populist message than a very moderate uh in the middle message and the reason is they're mad as hell and so they need a populism and if we put up kind of squishy centrism against right-wing populism, the right-wing populism of Van Orden wins. So that is not to say that we shouldn't make arguments on behalf of more moderate candidates. It's to say, please do not just assume that that makes the better candidate. We need to get out of that group thing, okay? The research does not suggest otherwise, and therefore, but we should also look at each candidate case by case. I'm not saying that you, you necessarily the progressive candidates, the best candidate. I'm saying, though, do not hold that against more progressive candidates. That may be the best pathway against an, a right wing nationalist like a Van Orden. With that, folks, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Secretary of State Sarah Godlewski. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. You can find us at CitizenActionWI.org. 
Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. As we said before the break, we are joined by Secretary of State Sarah Godlewski. Secretary, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. It's always great to be on the Battleground podcast. You are probably uh, the guest we've had the most because, um, well, geez, you know, you have come on regularly to update us, tell us about all the different things you've been doing while you're in office, educating us about the offices you've held, including when you first got elected to Secretary of State. Um, But I asked you to come on today, probably the dozenth time you've been on, to talk about the announcement. You you made big news this week around Robert Spinell, the the fake elector. Let's just yep. say that he yep. now that he has agreed that yep. what he did was wrong. Uh, you've called for him to resign and be removed. Tell our listeners more and tell us why you decided to speak out so forcefully this week and why um, you're not going to be silent on this. Well, as Secretary of State, uh, Matt, it, well, we all share values as Wisconsinites with transparency and accountability. And so in light of a recent settlement last week, Robert Spindell and nine other fake electors had to notify my office that they were, one, not duly qualified electors for Wisconsin with regards to the president and vice president election. And then the second piece was that the certificate of votes that they signed and submitted was a false document. And then they further in the settlement asked for my office to withdraw that and totally disregard this fake document. And so in essence, let's just call a spade a spade. They lied. Yes. They lied, not just to me and my office, they lied to the people of Wisconsin. And we can't have an election commissioner on like who lied about an election document and falsified being an elector, calling balls and strikes about how we run our elections. It's dangerous and he needs to be removed. Yeah. Look, we agree when this first came out, we've been on him for a while. Uh, But last week when he admitted this and so there's no more any sort of, I don't know, I guess, charade about whether whether he knew this or not. It's absurd. The idea that someone who sits on the election commission did not know what he was doing at the time it happened. I am, I'm saying that I know you're not necessarily, but you're saying he is now admitting it. Um, I, I am amazed. Do you, have you heard from LeMahieu or other Republican leaders directly about why they continue to back this man? Well, we have heard back, um, not directly to us, but it's been reported in the press that Lemieux has said, well, you know, he didn't admit to wrongdoing. And it's one of those things, Mac, when, you know, it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it's a duck. I mean, when you literally say you were not a duly elected qualified elector, And oh, by the way, that certificate of votes that you signed was false and I should remove it from my office. I mean, you lied. And so it's pretty plain and simple that, and and to your point, Matt, he is an election commissioner. He knows better. He has been administering elections and calling balls and strikes since 2019. And so he knows better and he has no moral compass and he can't be trusted. And that's on the grounds that he needs to be removed immediately. So, and, and 
it what's also important to understand is this isn't just you there's a lot of other folks if i'm correct you were at an event yesterday even with other groups organizations uh including a number of our allies trying to draw attention to this this is not just sarah godlewski um i think the general public is appalled that this guy is still in this position um it tell us more uh, some of the other folks who are actively involved in this uh, effort yeah, so we are really excited in, in mounting a campaign to call on uh, Devin Lemihu to remove Commissioner Spindell. And we are really excited about the partners who have joined in this calling for his removal. All Voting is Local is a very active democracy, C3, um, that has been calling for his removal. The organization's actually led by a former clerk um, to block um angela lang because yep. one of the things that um commissioner spindal called out when he was a commissioner was he was bragging during um 2021 about how they literally oppressed the black and brown vote in milwaukee county i, I mean, remember that like your job is to make sure as many wisconsinites have a voice in our democracy but yet you're not doing your job and further you're bragging about the oppression and like putting up barriers. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. And so it was calling out some of these additional, um, I would say just things that disqualify him from serving on the commission. So we've got a lot of folks listening from around the state. Um, are you asking them to call LeMahieu's office and, and, and make this demand? Yeah, our call to action is we've got to call our representatives. You need to call Leader Lemahue. You need to call your um, senators and demand for his removal because just as easily as he appointed him onto the commission, he can remove him. And it's pretty clear that um, he has picked politics and his personal preference over the people of Wisconsin, and he should not be serving um, on the body that administers and certifies our votes. Well, I really appreciate that you're asking folks to reach out to their uh, state legislators and uh, Senator LeMahieu directly. We think that's very important. Again, if you're listening, the state legislature has an amazing hotline, 1-800-362-9472. Call it. They will patch you through to your senator. If you don't know your senator or your state rep, they will just give them your address. They will patch you through. It's very important. This is a critically, unfortunately, not enough used part of our democracy. And it, Devin LeMay, who needs to hear from you, and uh, and likewise, your state senator and state rep. Secretary, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and I think the other thing that I want to really illustrate with this is it's not just about um, commissioner Spindell, it's the damage that he has done because this certificate of votes is what has led to the misinformation about the 2020 election that has really resulted in the threats that we are, you know, seeing and hearing from to our election officials, to publics, uh, to public servants that are in this space. I mean, they are getting death threats. I mean, it is awful. And it is, you know, you think about where did this come from? comes from this 
false certificate of votes that were trying to claim that the election was overturned. And so it's not just about him and his moral compass. It's about the damage that he has done to the democracy and to the public servants that are trying to do their job every single day and ensuring our free and fair elections. Well, folks, please make sure you you do that outreach. Um, Secretary, there's one other huge thing we have to talk about, and that is the backdrop to all of this is the absolutely bizarre. I guess it's not bizarre because it's coming from 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 Robin Voss, but the scheme that was hatched and just dropped on us about two weeks ago now, the idea that they want to get rid of the election commission that they created, by the way, folks, let me remind you, this was a commission that they created less than a decade ago, I want to say. Uh, and they want to now get rid of it, create, put the, put those supposedly under your office, the secretary of state office, but folks, here's the catcher. Not really. Not really. Total control and oversight by Rob and Voss in the state legislature. This is absurd. Who like, it's amazing to me that they floated this, but secretary, I cannot imagine that this is anything. Well, I'm sure you would love to like have more responsibility, like, but like at old, not under this plan, your thoughts on this. I mean, well, this, this legislation is just once again, another power grab for them to take over even more responsibilities and an effort to wither down our checks and balances. Because as you pointed out, Matt, what the legislation is really about is it gives the election committee in the legislature the oversight and authority and how our elections are being run. And as we know, the legislature is not a true representation of the state. I mean, it is so gerrymandered, even though we win statewide, they have a super majority in the Senate. And so we can't have them also running elections because we see what they do. They allow a fake elector to serve on the commission. And so while they talk about it as giving election, you know, the, the election responsibilities to the Secretary of State, really the Secretary of State is a puppet or being used as a decoy for this legislative power grab. Um, and uh, they're trying to kind of hide it under that auspice. So. My assumption is this isn't going anywhere and this was for political consumption, or do you believe they'll definitely just push it and force Evers to, to veto this? Um, and have you heard anything from the governor's office directly about this or. I mean, the governor's office has made it clear they're going to veto yeah. this piece of legislation and they've also since amended the legislation. So since we didn't bite on it and run with it, um, they changed it from the 2024 election to the 2026 election. Um, there you so. go, folks. That's all you need to know. That's a wonderful way to put sort of like an exclamation point on this conversation because, folks, this is part of what we talked about before, what's going on around the Biden impeachment at the national level, the continued shenanigans that you see with the election commission. If you think for a minute what we experienced in 2020 is over or um, it's not. And the only solution for this is our agency. We have got to get involved. You've got to reach out to your state legislators about what the secretary just told you, both as it relates to the Spindal situation, but the sh this, this 
this this idea around the election commission and we need you next year to get involved in elections secretary of state we really really appreciate you taking the time to join us today and that you're in this position uh it, it means a lot to us well it's it's really great to be here man i just can't emphasize enough the work that you guys do in organizing um and demanding accountability because that's how we know we get things done it's all of us coming together to say enough is enough and we're able to really make change that way so it's it's great to join you guys well, we really appreciate it. And thank you so much, Secretary. You have a wonderful day. Thanks, you too. Bye, everybody. And folks, with that, we're going to take a little break. And right on the back end, we're going to be joined by our organizer, Natalie Hoffman, who's going to tell us about a big victory we had uh, in Green Bay with the Climate Action Plan up there. And she's also going to be having a little social next week. She's going to tell you about if you want to join us in Green Bay. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are thrilled to be joined by our Northeast Organizing Co-op organizer, and that is Natalie Hoffman. Natalie, thanks for joining us. Hey, yeah, thanks so much for having me, Matt. It's great to be here. <laughs> it is awesome to have you because you have some great news you want to share about a victory that you and a lot of uh, partners uh, in Green Bay had last week. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to talk about that. So uh, Green Bay uh, was in the process of passing a clean energy plan that would uh, set us on the path to achieving carbon neutrality and 100% clean energy by 2050. And uh, that plan passed last week through the Green Bay City Council in a nine to two vote. And that was more votes than we were expecting for it. And just so excited that we could get this passed and really set us on the right path towards, uh, like, you know, working uh, towards fighting climate change locally. Well, look, congratulations. Uh, you're right. Nine to two. I know when we first started uh, talking and planning around this. Um, and before we do, just shout out to uh, Wisconsin conservation voters uh, who really played a, a, a leadership role uh, locally in, in multiple years uh, pushing to make this happen. Uh, it, it's just it's worth noting. But but Natalie, I want to also just say. When we first started talking about this a few months ago, we weren't 100% sure it was going to pass. This is a very split, divided, conservative versus uh, more liberal council. Uh, so tell us more. We're at nine to two. I'll assume the voters and all the people who came out and spoke made a difference. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to believe it as well. There were um, over 20 people that uh, came to the meeting to speak. It was it was insane. It was just so many passionate people that were there uh, just to testify uh, to their older people and a lot of folks that called their older people ahead of time as well. So I've got to imagine all of that community input uh, led a, a handful of folks to deciding that they would support it. Well, congratulations to you and to all of uh, the members who were involved in that. Um, uh, rumor has it you're having a party uh, next week to celebrate that you came on here to invite people to. Yeah, we sure are. Uh, we're having our little end of the year uh, celebration, social type events uh, next week. Uh, it's going to be at, uh, from 6 to 7.30 at Glass Nickel Pizza on Dousman Street in downtown Green Bay. Uh, and I would love to have folks there. We're going to just kind of talk about all of the really great things that we did this year, including passing this climate plan. And we're going to be looking ahead to what's coming up in 2024 
because it's definitely going to be a big year. So uh, we've got a lot of good things to look back on and a lot of really great things to look forward to. So I'm excited to share that with folks uh, next week, Tuesday. Oh, did I say Tuesday, December 19th? I think I, I don't remember if I gave say it again. Yes. Say it again. Tuesday, December 19th uh, from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Uh, at Glass Nickel Pizza on Dousman Street in downtown Green Bay. Folks, please get out and join. Uh, if you have not met Natalie, if you're not involved in our co-op, you don't need to be. We want you to come. Come celebrate with us. Meet Natalie. Uh, get involved. Join. You know, you don't got to pay dues to be a member. You just got to want to get involved and change your community. Uh, Natalie, uh, one other thing that folks can hear from, uh, you mentioned it, uh, big year next year. Uh, two of the folks who voted against this are up for re-election, and I heard we have a very exciting challenger to one of these people who doesn't think we need to do anything about climate change. Yeah, so uh, there were two council. So all of the Green Bay Council folks are actually going to be up uh, in spring. And uh, the two that voted against the climate plan, uh, one of them, uh, their challenger um, is uh, a Hmong woman. Her name is uh, Christina Thor, and she is an incredible progressive. She's uh, the state uh, director or the executive director of Nine to Five. It's a local or a statewide nonprofit, and she does a lot of really kick-ass things in the community. Um, so we're super excited that she's uh, putting... Um, um, putting up a fight, I guess. Um, and like, you know, standing up for the values that uh, we all believe um, in this community um, against somebody who doesn't think that uh, a climate plan is something that we need in this city, which we absolutely do. And like, like I said, luckily, we got it passed. Uh, but like, you know, uh, it just goes to show that uh, our values uh, don't align with this person that's in our office. And the person that's currently in office, uh, you know, doesn't represent the values of Green Bay, like uh, Christina would. Uh, so we're really excited about uh, Christina be running for office. Well, folks, please, you can learn more about that and our big plans to make Green Bay uh, keep it growing and uh, climate city. Uh, join next Tuesday night. Natalie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your great work. It's been a, an amazing year for you in the co-op there. I'm looking forward to 2024 with you. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. All right. We'll see you later. Everybody, that's it. We're going to wrap up this podcast. We're, we really want to thank Natalie Hoffman for joining us and for all the amazing work that she does up there. Please reach out to her. And if you don't and can't go, it's Natalie Hoffman, natalie.hoffman at citizenactionwi.org. Please reach out to her. And of course, we want to thank Secretary of State Sarah Gudbluski for joining us earlier in the show. Uh, folks, please reach out to your electeds. They need to hear from you. It's absolutely critical. And we need you all to be involved in 2024 and that starts sunday our third cd forum please join us hit the link in there rsvp sunday night 6 p.m folks we'll see you next week at the battleground wisconsin <laughs>